Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology and coaching to help you face adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists, and we will help you manage your mind, your emotions, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and this is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 23, What Other People Think. What other people think is none of your business, Heather. I know. I know. You know what? It's so funny. When I hear people say that in conversation, I actually fill in the last part. It's none of your your business. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I do the same thing. And hopefully after today, our readers will be doing that. Readers. Our listeners will be doing the same thing. The reason I said readers is because we had sent out an email to our email list. And I have to ask you, are you on the list? Because if not, head over to hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. And we send some Monday motivations and insights about our podcast and all sorts of fun stuff. Anyhow, we had asked our readers what they were struggling with right now, and we got a great response. And so we're creating a few podcast episodes to address some of the things that people brought up. And something that came up a few times is the idea of worrying about what other people think, like worrying about being judged or feeling judged by people about decisions that you've made or what we say or what we think or what we do. And so it did come up a few times because, well, if you're human, it seems to come up a lot. And I know it's something that I have been working on a lot. And I tell you, I'm working on a lot of things, but certainly ever since I got divorced, I would say it was something that became a challenge for me, what other people were thinking. And I had to put some focus on because the standard answer and the answer that we frequently hear or give is, well, really who cares what other people think? It really makes no difference. And there's even that saying that we started off with, like what other people think is none of your business, which is totally true, but it's hard to follow. Now, Byron Katie has another saying. She says there are three kinds of business. There's God's business or the universe's business, whatever your belief system is, other people's business and your business. And the only one we should be messing with is our own business. (laughs) I love that. So while intellectually, I know those things, as I think many of us do, it really doesn't tide me over for long before I start to worry about what other people think. Yeah. So today we're going to offer a few different ways to think, a few mindset shifts, things that we have personally found to be helpful to deal with what other people think about me. Firstly, if you've been following us or listening to our podcast, we talk a lot about how other people do not cause our thoughts and feelings. If you haven't heard already, check out podcast episode number 15, You Made Me Feel, and we talk all about how no one can make us feel anything. Well, the same holds true the other way. We also can't make other people think or feel anything. What other people think, do, say about us is actually not about us at all. So we want to remember that what people think, say, and do is totally 100% about them. All the bad things that they think about us, but also all of the great things that they think about us, that is on them. We have nothing to do with that at all. That's right. And I think I've shared the peach story before, but I'm going to share it again because it's such a great story. So I'm not sure if you like peaches. 
I personally love them. And in Ontario, we have awesome peaches in August. But believe it or not, there are people who do not like peaches. Are you one of those people, Heather? Mm -mm. No, I love peaches. Okay. I'm I'm pro-peach. We're (laughs) (laughs) pro-peach. Well, you can be the juiciest, most beautiful peach, but there is always someone who's not going to like peaches. But do we worry about it? Like, who's at fault if somebody doesn't like peaches? Do we blame the peach? And if somebody doesn't like a peach, we don't actually go around saying, well, it's the peach's fault. If the peach was better, it would be liked. We don't blame the person who doesn't even like the peach. We don't hold it against them that they don't like peaches. It's totally okay that they don't like peaches. It doesn't say anything about the peach. It merely says something about the person's taste and preference. Now, the peach doesn't get upset that somebody doesn't like it either. The peach just keeps on being the peach and letting all those who adore peaches just love them. And for me, that was super liberating to think if somebody doesn't like me, it doesn't mean anything about me. It just kind of means I'm not their flavor. I'm not their style. I am a peach and they just don't (laughs) like peaches and that's okay. And it was also liberating for me to give them permission. Of course, I'm giving them permission in my own mind to not like me. It's okay if you don't like me. I'm not for everybody. I don't need you to like me to know my own worth. And I learned that the most important thing was for me to focus on me being me. So if people like me, then they're actually liking the real me because I'm being the real peachy me. If they don't like me, well, it's totally not a reflection on me. They just happen to like apples instead. And there are plenty of peaches and plenty of apples to go around. I'm not going to try to be a different fruit, a fruit that they're going to like, because guess what? If you do that, then other people don't like that fruit either. So be who you are, be who you want to be. That's a story that really helps me when I run into a situation where somebody doesn't like me. I'm like, I guess they don't like peaches because I'm a (laughs) fabulous peach. (laughs) Yes, you are a fabulous peach. I love that analogy. It's so good. The second thing that is really helpful is understanding that when we talk about how other people are judging or talking about us, oftentimes we're actually only referring to what we think they're thinking. We can create a whole lot of drama about what we think people are thinking. It's a thinking trap called, Leah? Mind reading. (laughs) Are you a good mind reader? We're terrible um, mind readers. All of us, terrible. (laughs) Well, exactly. But we do it. We still do do it. it all the time. We do it. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm sitting here saying we're terrible mind readers, I am going to leave after recording this podcast and I'm going to go mind read like tons of people around me. (laughs) Well, it's really funny. When we're human. But when you said, are we, are we good at mind reading? My thought was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a perfect example of you not reading my mind. That's right. Okay. Uh, It's a terrible trap. Terrible. (laughs) Yes. So we assume people think a certain way and then we spiral out into a crazy story. We're creating a story and even reacting in a certain way based on what we think they're thinking. That mind reading trap. Now, the other thing is that we offer the collective other people, well, specifically, who are... I love that one. Yeah. Who are these other people? people? They think this about me. They will judge me. They will think I'm a bad person. So who exactly are we referring to when we say they? Who are these they's? They're out there. They are Um, because we all talk about and we all know them because we all talk about them. They are judging me. They think this about me. So it's the collective they that everybody knows. You know what they say. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right. You know what they say. That's why we usually say researchers say. <laughs> We're giving the label to the collective they. Okay, now this is important to know for a few reasons. Firstly, we need to separate the fact from the story. And now if you want to go back to our podcast, this is episode number four, fact versus story. How we do this is facts are the boring part, the math of the story, they are, all these things are pieces of information that can be proven in a court of law. Everyone in the world would agree on a fact. The story is how we color the facts, you know, our interpretations of the facts. These are our thoughts, our opinions, our judgments, our perceptions of the facts. Not everyone would agree. Everyone would have a different interpretation or may have a different interpretation. Wow. And this is how you would separate the facts from the story. So if you're going to get upset about something, then make sure you have very specific facts that you are upset about and not your interpretation of the story. Because we can get wound up about a whole lot of things that are completely fiction based on the story that our mind created. And we've all had those times where we get upset and then the person clarifies and we're like, oh, that's what you meant. (laughs) So so catch yourself, people. Uh, Spend some time pulling apart the fact versus the story. Yeah, that has totally never happened to me. Never. never. I don't go on a rampage. And then one of my kids turns around and says like, "Uh, this is what I said. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. (laughs) But it's so, it's so likely you can see the breakdown because, okay, let's just say I have a thought and then I say something, you hear it, you have a thought about it and you don't know, you can't, unless you're a mind reader. Let's go back to that. And I already said, I'm not, you are, but I'm not. (laughs) But now wonder there's so many misinterpretations, right? But well, the next thing, once you have the fact, you don't stop there. We got to get back to my slime analogy, Heather. I love my slime analogy. And I first presented it on the Mean Girls episode 19. I think it was. So that basically is somebody says something to you and the fact is the specific wording that they used. It's not my interpretation or what I'm guessing they mean by it. It's actually the specific wording. And I have three choices. And my three choices are one, I can just accept it. So that's where it lets me be slimed. Somebody throws some words at me and I can just accept them as is. That's the way it is. So I'm slimed. Another thing I can do is I can just, you know, hear the words, move out of the way. Nope, not really interested. And the third thing I can do is I can catch it, catch the slime. I look at the slime. I evaluate the slime. What do I think about the slime? And then I can do something with it. So we want to do that after we have our facts. We want to walk it through the slime test. Now, sometimes we may worry that, well, If I never care about what other people think, maybe it's because I don't have empathy and maybe I'm just going to end up like acting like a jerk and I'm going to go around saying like, I don't care what other people think. And on a side note, we sometimes hear a teenager saying that I don't care what other people think, which you can totally do if you want to do. But come on, realistically, I think we all do care a little bit what people think, but we get to choose and evaluate and decide what we do with what people are saying to us. So we can care about what other people think, but it's just an idea to care more about what we think. Mm -hmm. And I think our interpretation always comes back to like, what do you make that mean? Right. And Mm -hmm. that leads us to respond in a certain way. And that's entirely 
up to us. So sometimes when other people actually say something, so that's the fact because those are the words they use, we actually may want to evaluate it. I know it doesn't always feel good to just say, I don't care what other people think because in reality, we kind of do care, you know, at least I do. And in some cases, I kind of want to. But when I make that evaluation of, you know, my slime, or whatever they are saying, part of what I'm evaluating is who is sending it my way. So I ask the source of the feedback. Is it someone I respect who is saying this? Do I think highly of them? Are they the kind of people on my list that I would value, you know, the opinion of? And then I also evaluate their motivation to share what they shared with me. Is it out of love? Do they have my best interests at heart? Are they trying to hurt me? All of these are possibilities. Now, I really love Brene Brown. She talks about being in the arena and the people who have the ringside seats. You get to choose who gets the ringside seats and they are the ones who you will want to listen to. So choose carefully who is there. It could be your partner, a parent, a trusted friend, even your child. It could be a leader, a coach, someone you're trying to emulate. You get to decide, but the people yelling out in the cheap seats, you don't have to listen to them. They are not in the ring fighting with you. They don't have a ringside seat, so you really don't need to listen to them. And even with the ringside people, it doesn't mean that you have to do what they say, but they are the ones that you are most likely going to evaluate what they are telling you as they are more invested in you. But of course, you always get to decide what to do. That's your choice. Yeah, I kind of look at that with parenting as well. I've always likened parenting to flying an airplane. So initially you're flying the plane for your child. And as your child gets older, you move over to the passenger seat as they are flying. And then as they get older, kind of like my kids are you know, flying solo now, I get out of the plane and they're flying solo. But as parents, we have decided that we move over to the watchtower. So we're there, we're watching all our kids flying their planes. And because we have some experience and we see things from a different perspective, we will sometimes let them know when we see storms up ahead or challenges up ahead. And we may radio them and let them know, but that doesn't mean they have to listen. They still get to fly their plane. You know, I feel comfortable as a parent and not all parents do this. Everyone has their own way of doing it. But Rob and I have decided that we want to be in the watchtower. We want to be looking over our five planes. And if we can warn them of a storm, that's great. But they don't have to listen to it. They still get to fly their plane. They're independent. They may want to consider what we have based on the fact of who we are, we're their parents, we're vested in them, we love them, we want the best for them. But it still does not mean that they have to listen to it. They can choose to listen to us based on our motivations, but they get to choose not to because they all have their agency too. So that's another way for me to look at how parenting works with this. Yeah, that's a good analogy too. Okay. Now, when you do receive feedback, the other thing you can do when you're evaluating is be honest with yourself. If you're offended or if you feel judged, chances are it's because there's a part of you that maybe agrees with them, or at least is worried that maybe there is some truth. And that is okay. Don't get all judgy with yourself. Don't ask yourself, why are you so defensive? But rather get curious. You know, why did they hit a nerve? Because if you really didn't care, you know, it would just roll right off of you. When something's so far-fetched or outrageous, we don't really care. Like the example, if someone says, I don't like your blue hair, 
I could care less because I don't have blue hair. Not that there's anything wrong with blue hair. I like blue hair. (laughs) I just don't happen to have it today. (laughs) I might say I don't have blue hair, but it wouldn't bother me. But I just think, oh, they're totally wrong about me. They must be, you know, have something wrong with their visual perception. So you get to decide what you think. And it's okay to say, yes, I see I'm being defensive. And that's just because I'm worried it's true. But I'm going to move forward anyways. And I trust that I can handle whatever happens. So you can then decide if you want to make any changes. Maybe not now, maybe later, but you can show some compassion for yourself. Now, if you see that they're wrong and you don't agree with anything, then you can actually just let them think what they want to think about you or even better give them permission in your mind to just be wrong about you yeah Mm. I hear what you're saying but sorry I think you're wrong about me move on and you know that's tough to do it's tough for sure but try it out even if someone tells you you're mean you're horrible you're a terrible friend a mother a coach you can even say well you're probably right on some levels because I am human and I probably have weaknesses we all do probably but <laughs> you're so much better than I am I have weaknesses Heather probably <laughs> has weaknesses <laughs> well I don't know I don't think I'm horrible Not all the time anyway, 50% of the time, perhaps. But, you know, on another level, you know, it's okay if we think, you know, you're wrong about me, you know, and, and that's okay too, to be wrong about me. And why is it that we want people to like us? Why is it that we want people's approval? It's an important point to consider. We want their approval because like we've been saying, we're human. Our brain thinks it needs approval to survive. And if we don't get approval, we think that we will be rejected from our tribe and our brain panics. And if we can't get people to approve, then we move on to at least get them to understand. You don't have to approve of what I've done, but can you at least understand? And we want them to understand, not so that they understand, but it's all so that we can feel good. Everything we do is driven by our desire to feel something. And usually it's our desire to feel good. We want approval because it feels good. We want to feel validated. We turn to others for that validation and that approval. Yeah. So our amazing mentor and coach, Amy Gianni, talks about validation. And I love her perspective so much. I'm going to read it right now from her Instagram account. How often do you seek validation from others? This is a very human thing to do, so don't be too hard on yourself. We all have insecurities, another part of being human, but our insecurities aren't the problem. The problem is when we seek outside validation in an attempt to counteract the negative feelings we have about ourselves. The reason it's a problem is, while it feels amazing in the moment, it doesn't last, and it leaves you wanting more. It's like emotional heroin. I love that. The outside validation is an addiction that we have. I've never thought about that before, but I just love it. We're addicted to validation. Anyhow, continue. (laughs) I love Amy too. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) One way this shows up for my clients is when they unknowingly give their spouse the job of making them feel worthy, good enough, attractive, lovable, or fill in the blank enough. When you outsource validation, you start showing up in a needy, graspy, desperate way, which isn't attractive or sexy. And suddenly your spouse is burdened with the job of propping up your self-esteem. So I'll just interrupt you here, Heather, again. So she's referring to it in terms of an intimate relationship, but I think you can swap it out for any relationship. Anytime you're seeking approval in any relationship, this actually holds true. Well, and I want to just add a comment before I return to the post. This is a slippery slope because if we actually don't believe that we are worthy, then we're going to reject what they say anyway. And so 
we need them to, we want them to say it because it's a thought that they have about us that we don't yet have. So we're constantly going to be in the net negative. So here's the solution. Self-validation. Validation, like many other things that we create for ourselves, is an inside job, which means it's something you have control over and you don't have to wait around hoping someone else will give it to you or do it for you. You get to decide your value. You get to decide if you're good enough or if you're enough. You get to decide if you're lovable. It means you take an honest look at yourself and decide how you want to think and feel about yourself. Are you showing up as the kind of spouse you want to be or whatever relationship? Is there room for improvement? probably. So work on showing up as your best self, not because you have to, not because it'll make you more lovable or more valuable or more enough. Do it simply because it's who you want to be in the world. You don't have to be perfect to self-validate. You can love and accept your imperfect self exactly as you are right now. When you don't need your spouse to tell you how amazing you are or how beautiful you are or that they love you or that they want to have sex with you, guess what happens? Oftentimes, they naturally start doing those very things because you are no longer needy, graspy, and desperate. Suddenly, everything changes and it opens the door for genuine love, connection, and intimacy. And isn't that what you want? Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Amy Gianni. She is just so awesome. I remember the first time sitting in one of our classes and she said, everything changes when you can self-validate or every relationship changes when you can self-validate. And I was just blown away by that because it's true. When you can self-validate, you feel so much more confident. You actually don't even worry what other people think because you know what you think. You learn to value your opinion over anybody else's. And again, it's not like it's not nice to get validated. And it's not that you won't have thoughts about what people say that you think is judgmental, but you just care more about what you think. You value your opinion over someone else's. You are willing for others to be wrong about you. You are willing for them to be right about you too. And they just figured out your flaws. They figured out that maybe you're sensitive or maybe you're insecure. Of course you are. We all are. But at some point, you have to decide whose opinion matters most. Is it your parents, your kids, your spouse, your boss, your neighbors? Do their opinions matter more than yours? Well, I'm going to get all woo-woo on you. Woo-hoo! I I always uh, get the woo-woo when I talk all personally, but I love my faith. And I personally believe that one day I am going to meet my creators. And I like to think that I'll have time to sit down with my makers and have a discussion. And in that discussion, I'm going to ask all the questions, all the things that didn't make sense in my life or that I'm struggling to answer right now. And I will then ask my maker, okay, what about this? Not in a penalizing, scary way, but sort of in a loving way. And I'm going to ask when I was struggling with motherhood, especially with stepmotherhood, I would hear all sorts of things about what my role was from everybody who thinks their perspective is helpful, anywhere from professionals to strangers. I kind of feel that when you get divorced and remarried and have stepkids, it feels like people feel that they can just give you random advice (laughs) or say things. And I know that's my thought, but I kind of felt like, hmm, why do you think all of a sudden you can walk up to me and tell me how I should be? Anyhow, it was a particularly tense time in my life and I was super stressed about being a stepmom. And I was getting lots of feedback about what my role was and how I should be and how I shouldn't be. And 
I decided I was feeling so torn and I wasn't being the stepmom I wanted to be. I certainly wasn't being the mom I wanted to be because I was listening to what everybody was telling me. And I went back to the little story that I've always had in my mind about sitting down with my makers and asking them, asking me, okay, what about your kids? What did you do with your kids? How did you show up? What kind of mom were you? What kind of stepmom were you? Why did I do what I did exactly? And as I picture talking about this and sharing about raising my two boys, Zach and Josh, I would then picture, you know, my maker turning and asking me, okay, that's what you did with Zach and Josh. What about the other three kids? So we always call Zach and Josh the boys and we always call Gabe, Sandra and Sam the kids. So I asked, I, or I thought, okay, he's going to be saying to me, okay, what about the other three kids? And I realized that all the things that I heard from everyone around me about how I should be or should not be was totally not in alignment with who I wanted to be and who I believe that my creator wants me to be. I personally believe that I was given five children to raise. Some I would give birth to like Zach and Josh. Some I would not give birth to, and they have their own mother and their own beautiful relationship with her but they would be under my care for various amounts of time. And regardless of all those things, it did not mean that I could not be the kind of mother I wanted to be in my family. My opinion of myself as a mother, as a stepmother, as a female head of my family was mine. And I get to choose my opinion of who and how I wanted to show up, how I want to answer to my maker about the kind of mother and stepmother I was and am is way more important to me than anyone else's opinion. No one else is going to be defending me up there. That's what I, I remind myself. So I often come back to this visual when I'm feeling judged by other people, when other people maybe give some indicator of what I should or shouldn't be doing or what I think they're thinking about it. I go back to sitting down with my creator and answering about how I showed up. And that is how I want to live my life and fulfill all my roles. So I know that's a bit woo-woo for some people, but it is something that has been very helpful for me to guide what my opinion is, is being able to show up at the end of my life and account for how I was as a person. And that to me helps me remind me that it's my opinion that counts. That was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So you get to decide who you want to be and what you want to think of yourself. The other thing that happens is that you are so worried about what other people think, you end up losing who you are authentically. You become a people pleaser, essentially, doing things just to make others happy. You become a chameleon, bending towards what other people think. I am have starred in that movie for many, many, many years. People pleasing is, I think, an obstacle that many of us, you know, could improve, could improve at. I have. We become people pleasers. And when we people please we are actually liars oh it's so harsh but it's so true (laughs) so true because we're not telling the truth we have to tell the truth we're gonna have like a massive podcast on this But really, I mean, you have to show up or you get to show up as your authentic self and your authentic self matches what you're thinking with what you're saying or doing. 
Right. And when we're pleasing, we're not doing that. That's right. But I do want to say, because when we talk about getting to tell the truth, I know that sometimes people will say things that are unkind because they're like, well, it's my truth. I do think we have to run our truth. You know, I agree that people pleasers, it's a challenge we all have, but we got to run our truth through filters too. And I always offer to my clients the filter of kind, true, and necessary that before we say things, we do have to wonder or offer, is this kind? Is it true? And is it necessary? Do I really need to say it? But I think we have to check in with ourselves and Mm -hmm. are we lying to ourselves? Are we doing something that is going to cause resentment? Are we doing something that's going to cause problems in our relationship because we're pleasing? And it's interesting because what ends up happening is we're trying to please other people, but we're not pleasing ourselves. And then we build resentment. And anyhow, it's a whole spiral. I just wanted to say that just because we're saying we don't want to be people pleasers doesn't mean we go around saying, I don't care what other people think. I'm just going to say whatever I want to think. And who cares? It's their thoughts. And no, there's a balance. But we'll talk about that in another podcast. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought up the kind, true, necessary, because I mean, you always have to be in alignment with your values, right? And going around hurting people and hurting their feelings by, you know, telling them what you really think probably isn't aligned with your highest self. Right. So hence the filter. So sure, people may like us or think we're easy to get along with, but we don't often show up or don't often end up liking ourselves. Ooh, this leads me to Runaway Bride. This is one of Oh, I love that movie. Oh, me too. You know the one with Julia Roberts and she gets engaged multiple times to Richard Gere. And then she leaves the guy at the altar and it was a pattern for her. She gets engaged Mm. like what, four times and gets, you know, leaves the guy four times at the altar. Yep. And Richard Gere comes along and he does a story about her because this was what she was known for. He interviews her and all of her ex-fiancés and he finds a weird little thing about her. Whenever he asks the ex-fiancé what kind of eggs she liked, they always answered, easy. She liked the same as me. Boiled, fried, scrambled, you name it. Whatever the fiancé liked, she liked. And after he gets in an argument with her and tells her, what kinds of eggs do you like? Do you even know? So she goes off on her own and she comes back to him later and she tells him what kind she likes because she tried them all and figured them out for herself. I love that. And I've often used that with my clients. Yeah. And I've used that all the time with my kids. I'm constantly saying to them, you got to figure out what kind of eggs you like because they're, they're young now. And, and they, if they haven't had experience trying different eggs, then they need to try them out just like she did in the movie. And once you know, you won't be swayed and you won't be just going along with someone else's likes and their style, their preferences. What kind of eggs do you like, Heather? Poached. Medium. Medium poached. I do like poached eggs, but I have to say my favorite is over easy. A little bit runny that I can dip some toast in. Mm, You're making me hungry. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The other problem when we fall into the people-pleasing trap is that we start to try to control what other people think. Oh, I'll do this or I'll say that. And then they'll think this or that about me. We want to make them think a certain way about us. So we try to manipulate the situations so that they will think that way about us. But let's remember that what other people think is based on their thoughts 
we don't get to decide. That is why we can walk into a room of 20 people and some people will like us and some people will not like us. If it were up to us, we, and if we were the deciding factor, then everybody would think the same thing about us, but they don't. They usually like us if they have thoughts that they like us. So they may see things in us that remind them of something they love about themselves or someone else they know. I mean, how many times do you say, oh, she reminds me of so-and-so or the same happens if they don't like us. It could be because of something we do that reminds them of something that we don't actually like. Or maybe they like our style or something about us or they don't like it. But the point is, it's all about their thoughts. People will form their opinions, their judgments of you based on their life, based on their experiences, their stories, their biases, based on the little that they know about you, which let's face it, they may not know a lot about you. So you actually are just a circumstance that someone else is having a thought about. So if we think about, you know, circumstances as being facts, nothing attached to them until you assign meaning to it. You can't assign meaning to someone else's circumstance. They get to decide what they make it mean. And you are the circumstance for somebody else. Right. Lastly, I think we fear judgment because we fear being wrong. We fear judgment because we worry about failing, about looking bad, having made a wrong choice or making a mistake. Be okay with being wrong. Be okay with failure. I know that may seem like a bit of a stretch right now, but you know, it's so helpful to work toward feeling okay. Be okay with doing something and changing your mind. Be okay with not quite knowing how everything will turn out. You're human. We don't really understand how things will turn out. And accept that people will judge us and accept that things are not perfect, but also accept that you can handle however things turn out. Part of the journey of life is all of the messes that we get ourselves into. Mm -hmm. Don't try to avoid the mess or the failure or the disappointments or the mistakes or by trying to control what other people think. We can't, period. We can't control them. We can't control the outcomes. So what you can control is yourself. So focus on yourself. Do what you think is best for you and trust that if you end up knowing better, like Maya Angelou says, then you do better. That's right. Exactly. We need to just trust ourselves a little bit more and know that we will make mistakes along the way. And that's okay. Sometimes we're going to be right. Sometimes we're going to be wrong. We don't have to allow other people to be dictating what we do or not do because we're trying to get approval from other people. We can self-validate. Okay. So just to recap, We talked about a few mindset shifts to help us deal with what other people think. And Leah highlighted the beautiful peach analogy. I'm a peach. (laughs) You are a peach. And peaches are coming. When we're thinking about what other people are thinking, we're often trying to mind read, which is a thinking trap because we're often wrong. We want to evaluate others' feedback and be selective about what their motivations are and what their investment in us is. Self-validation is so liberating and it is an inside job. Your opinion matters the most. If we worry about what other people think, we often have the tendency of becoming people pleasers or liars. And we need to figure out what kind of eggs we like. We don't want to control what other people think because what other people think is 100% in their control, also known as it's none of our business. (laughs) So don't bother trying to manipulate situations because it just doesn't work. Lastly, don't worry about being wrong because you will be 50% of the time. And that's okay. You can be wrong 50% of the time and still be completely awesome. 
that's what we have for you today. Hopefully this helps you in not worrying so much about what other people think, worrying more about what you think. Although we would love to hear what you think. So we would love it if you would stop by our Facebook group, the Building Resilience Club, and leave a comment. We would also love to hear what you think if you would be so kind as to leave us a review on our podcast. It really helps people to find our podcast. And if you could share our podcast, we would appreciate it as well. Have a wonderful week. Take care.